sack Is that all you get for your money? And if that's what you have in mind Yeah, if that's what you're all about Good luck moving up Cause I'm moving out Good morning and welcome to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Mark Carr, team member of the Becky Ivins Real Estate team here with Becky Ivins. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to listen to us today. And uh, we're going to be talking today to Ron Shalott, who is my attorney. And we're going to be talking about, well, what is going on in the legal world and how does that relate to real estate? So... Always love having Ron here with us. And if you want to share this program, you can go to anywhere that you you can subscribe to podcasts. You can go to the iHeartMedia app or iTunes or Spotify and just look up Oklahoma Real Estate on the move. And you can listen to the other episodes that Ron has been a part of, which has been several. It's a great way to keep in front of what's changing within the real estate market. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about legal issues and what's what's the newest things going across the court and laws as they might relate to real estate. So good morning, Ron. Good morning. It seems like we just never left. I know, right? (laughs) We love having you on. (laughs) Well, this time I'm going to give you a quiz. Uh Oh, Oh, boy. I know it's early. I did already just just tell you. I, between you've got a really good brain, and between the two of us, we average a half. I'm <laughs> sipping on coffee, so I'm yeah, ready. Yeah, at least I'm ready you, for you've you. got your cup of coffee. Yep. All right, okay. What is a discriminatory restrictive covenant? Oh, there you go. Now I think I know this one. If it there are protected classes uh, under uh, federal, but there's also state protective classes, and if the restrictive covenant Let's just say you have to be at least 60 years old to live there. Well, that would be a discriminatory, restrictive covenant unless it was a Housing for Older Persons Act, which you can discriminate on One of those on things age. you can discriminate legally. And like age, there's community the is like 55 and older. And- yeah. Uh, or maybe you don't allow anyone of African descent to live in the community. No, I think that would probably be an illegal. Well, that is a discriminatory restrictive covenant. Am I right on that? Partially right, Ron? Do I get half do, credit? Do you think you're right? I think I am. <laughs> well, you've been, I hate to say it this way, but I guess there's no other way to say it. You have been an experienced realtor. That's probably the way to say it. There you go. You? You've been, <laughs> Wow, you did find a, a longer well, way to say that. Well-seasoned. Yeah, there you go. Well, I will tell you that my husband and I almost bought acreage property in an acreage subdivision way back uh, in probably about 73, 74, 1973 or four, And there was a little booklet that had the restrictive covenants in there that we were given what uh, conditions, covenants, and restrictions. And in there it said no one of African descent can l- reside in, and own property in that neighborhood. And so we just kind of marked that off our list. We were like going, wow, wow what kind of people live here? Well, yeah. I, I, I will challenge your description. It probably had 
a bit more onerous statement than that. It did. It yes. did. I mean, you, you suggested a continent, which contains a whole bunch of different people right. and a whole bunch of different skin tones. But I'm sure it probably used a more crass word that uh, hopefully will go away and never be heard again in the English language. But uh, that's the way a lot of these were written, where they used very crass terms. Uh, well, and I and maybe do believe would, this maybe, one said colored people of African descent. Well, I'm <laughs> pretty, I, that's how I recall it. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's uh, a pretty sad description because you have people in a, a lot of other continents that have different skin colors, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really is, is sad commentary that uh, we see those things and are reminded of things that people used to do and people used to have on there. But you are aware, I'm assuming, that some of those covenants still are on properties today, even in Oklahoma, a relatively young state. They are, and of course they've been deemed not to, you you cannot enforce them. It wasn't the Civil Rights Act like in 64? Civil Rights Act 1964, yes. Okay. To me, that's just mind-blowing that that recent ago, it was legal to discriminate. I mean, that just blows my mind. Recent? Well, I mean, 1964. Well, right. I mean, for some of us, we, we lived it. <laughs> I mean, when, we, when you talk about laws and establishments and building structures, like we don't have structures that go back to 1100 and 1200 A.D. Like, you know, when you go into European communities, like our state is relatively young. 1907. Our, yeah. State. Our laws and thinking of they had to make a law in 1964 that incorporated that. Yeah, that's that, weird. That's, Which for some people is a long time ago, and that's like the Dark Ages. For some of us, it was, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> the Beatles were around. Yeah, we, we know that real well. Right. That's the same time <laughs> the Beatles came, right? Uh, let's, let's not go there and talk about old times. But uh, if you have that on your property in Oklahoma, there is a new law that the state legislature created a statute that uh, they enacted that goes into effect on November 1 of this year, 2023. And it uh, is one that says that uh, illegal discriminatory restrictive covenants not enforceable in this state. Got that. No, No problem there. However, if it is on your title, you can file a declaration to remove the discriminatory restrictive covenants from your title. So Individually, each property owner? Each property owner could do that. It's, there's a form that is becoming available. It's in the statute. Uh, the real property description, uh, the instrument that it was recorded in, the name of grant or current owner. Uh, that, and it says the discriminatory restrictive covenant containing the above-mentioned instrument are declared to be illegal and unlawful and shall be considered removed from the instrument to the extent that it contains items purporting to restrict the ownership or use of the property as prohibited by Section 1 of this Act, which is the Fair Housing Act of the United States of America. Well, it, I mean, I get, sometimes they might say better late than never. It seems like a long that should have been done a long time ago. 
But it is something that uh, I'm glad to see that kind of thing uh, coming through uh, now. It is something that's new, so people can officially remove those things from the record. Of course, obviously, it's in the tapes, it's in the scans, so you're, it isn't like you're going to be able to go out and, and mark out the words. You can't tear but, down the statue. Well, some statues you can, but yeah, but, but but this is, you know, forever there. Uh, if you go back, you can find it, especially if it is an instrument of, of conveyance that conveys it to the present owner. But you can at least strike out the effectiveness of it officially. Okay. So that's something that uh, we've got new going on for you. Well, that's a great thing because not everyone in the neighborhood might vote, and most of the time it takes 100% uh, consent of the entire uh, neighborhood or section or whatever it is uh, to make a change in those conditions, CCRs we call them. Especially if they don't have your uh, homeowners association, their mandatory, and that sets out the exact protocol for changing the association rules. Okay. Well, that's an interesting one. What else do we have? Well, we also have... Uh, one uh, that we're going to get to after the break about the uh, infamous transfer on death deeds. I know our favorite topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll come back with more doom and gloom right here on Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move, News Radio 1000, KTOK. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. We're here talking with attorney at law, Ron Shalott. And so, Ron, you're talking about transfer on death deed. Has right. something changed? Well, something's been clarified. And, and, we, and we've talked about these kind of things before over the many years I've been here. The Non-Testamentary Transfer of Property Act, which is, has to do with real property. Now, I will parenthetically uh, point out that there's also a transfer on death deeds for motor vehicles, but you have to have it free and clear. You can file a form uh, with the state uh, on with the vehicle information. It's a little bit different process, but you can do a transfer on death deed for a motor vehicle. The one we always talk about, though, is the transfer on death deed. We like to call it TOD for short, uh, for real property. And the idea there is if you own a parcel of real property and when you die, that the property would transfer to a beneficiary. The trick is that the beneficiary has to do something. You can't just say, for example, if I die, I want this parcel of land to go to Mark Carr. Well, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Except if one, Mark Carr doesn't know about it. Two, Mark Carr doesn't want it. Perhaps it is swampland or something like that that has no value, no minerals, etc., and will cost you about, oh, two, $300,000 to drain the swamp and to do something with, in which case you probably would just end up with a $20,000 lot after draining the swamp. <laughs> so, you know, Mark may not be too wild about that. So, the, the problem that came up uh, certainly was what happens, how does the beneficiary get the property? Well, the beneficiary 
files what's called an affidavit, which is a sworn statement, with the county where the property is located within nine months of the death of the grantor. You attach a copy of the death certificate, and there's a form. Most counties have a form right there for you. You can do this. Uh, And for the small payment of the recording fee, that would transfer the property. But if you don't do that, you didn't know about it, you don't want it, you forget. After nine months, that transfer is void and the property actually goes into the estate of the owner who has deceased. With me so far? I'm with you. All right. Now that's the easy part. Now what is it, what happens if lawyer Ron decides that he's going to give this swampland parcel of property to Mark and to Becky and to Mike. Okay? Here's the problem. Lawyer Ron dies. What happens to the property? And what if Mark says, oh, I love swampland. I want it. But Mike and Becky are we don't want that thing. We, uh, what are we doing? What happens and how does it transfer and does it transfer? And that's yeah. the problem. And it became a question because the statute did not clearly state where you had multiple beneficiaries, whether one could accept for all. In other words, could Mark file that affidavit and said, yeah, we three musketeers, we'll take it. But the other two haven't complied. And don't want it. Yeah. Are they stuck with it and all the taxes that are owed on it and the insurance claims that they're going to have to uh, insure for? And uh, uh, I know uh, that it is a difficult situation. So what do we do? What do we do? What do I we mean, do? There's a, is there a new you law? You left that, me on the cliff right there. I, was like, I know. I was, right? I was like, give me, give me out of this mess I've made, Ron. <laughs> So if you have uh, a designated grantee beneficiary, okay, with me so far, you can accept the real estate pursuant to a transfer on death deed only on behalf of him or herself or the legal entity over which he or she has proper authority. A beneficiary shall not accept such real estate on behalf of another designated beneficiary. This is a new statute. It goes into effect November 1, 2023. The legislature has cleared up an issue that lawyers were having with the transfer on death deed. So previously you could, like you were, could accept on behalf of? Well, that was the question. Yeah. And, it was and just murky water. It was murky. However, the statute does say uh, in another section the beneficiary affidavit recorded pursuant to this section before November 1, 2023, in which one or more, but not all, name beneficiaries of a transfer on death deed explicitly accepts the interests being conveyed by the deed on behalf of all or some of the beneficiaries named therein shall be effective to accept such interests if executed by at least one of the named beneficiaries accepting the interests. So, Prior to November 1, you could do it after, on and after November 1. It's got to be voluntary. So in your scenario, you've deeded to 
producer Mike Gannon, myself, Becky Ivins, I say, yes, I want that swampy land. They both say, no, they don't want the swamp land because they have intelligence. Does But they the, don't do anything. Does their they, two go back to the estate in mind well, was, or what, yeah, what occurs? And, and, and that was the up? question. That was the question. And then uh, the problem uh, that we were – uh, wondering is what if Mark accepted it for all of you, and uh, until November one, it's, it's it's effective for all, but as of November one, it's only effective as to Mark. So then you have to look at the differing interests and tenants in common. Then you have to look at well, Mark can't really take the whole thing. That's not what the transfer was about. So you only get your particularized interest. But that's also not a joint tenants with right of survivor thing either, even if all three of you accepted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a joint tenancy with right of survivorship. That's just what's called the tenancy in common, which you each have your individualized portion. You've got one-third of a swamp, and Becky and Mike each have a third of a swamp, and every glass of swampy water is part yours, part hers, and part his, you know. Well, is it a designated portion of the swamp that a third, a third, a third, or is it an undivided interest in this swamp? It would be undivided. Undivided interest. Wow. <laughs> and I know that, I mean, Mark, being an environmentalist, will not, right. want, will not want to cough up the money to pay for mosquito control, <laughs> poison ivy. <laughs> and that's where you end up with the quiet title actions or partition actions. You know, to to try to remedy that, the partition action is where you try to cut up the property. And if you can't cut it up, if you can't divide the the, the swamp land up, then uh, you look to sell the entirety of it and see who wants to buy it. In which case, if Mark says, hey, this is such a great deal, I'll buy it all, then he can get it all. Okay. Hmm. Well, it just sounds like it didn't, it did not totally cover, uh, the scenarios that could come up. It's a step in the right direction, but I'll bet you they address that again. Well, and that's the problem with a lot of these statutes. You know, this is not that old of a statute. It has great intent, and it is something that uh, we're glad to see them helping to clarify a bit. But, yeah, there's there's more that meets the eye because a lot of these situations come up that, that we don't anticipate either until they actually come up. And then we go, oh, gee, what about this? And uh, we hope for a legislative resolution. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Because most of the laws are reactive. You're reacting to problems that have been shown itself by the wording that was created. Most of the time, yes. But there are sometimes the laws are prospective because they see an issue coming up and they try to get ahead of it and address it. And we see that in, in a lot of different areas, uh, although it's not really a real estate deal, but it has to do with name, image, and likeness in college athletics. Oof. You know, that hadn't really happened, but you got ahead of the curve by passing some laws to set that in place. And we'll come back with more right here on Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move, News Radio 1000, KTOK.
Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Mark Carr, team member of the Becky Ivins Real Estate Team, here with Becky Ivins and attorney at law, Ron Shalott. And it is time for our word of the day. Our word of the day is brought to you by Robbins Roofing, where their word every day is trust. You can trust Robbins Roofing from a small repair to a complete replacement. You can give them a call at 728-3700. That's 405-728-3700. Do you know, before I give you the word of the day, I want to remind everybody that if you had damage to your roof and you might not know you had damage to your roof, if you're out of town and hail hit your house and you don't, turn that in within a year that your insurance company has no obligation to pay that claim. Mm -hmm. So call Robbins Roofing, call Larry. He'll come out himself or he'll send somebody else out to check your roof. Yeah. And one of the first things they'll do is they'll look up on the mapping software that they have on has hail come into your neighborhood, your particular street? Your address. Your address, <laughs> exactly. And it is, so if you don't know, and call them, 405-728-3700. All right, what's our word of the day? Statute. Statute. Well, statute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there is no CH in There's, there. There's a T that is pronounced uh, CH. I love our English language. Statute. Which is to be differentiated from statue, which you were talking about removing. Right, right. <laughs> but it always gets confused, especially when you're typing and your autocorrect changes it on you <laughs> because they don't want to type statute, but instead statue. So what's a statute? Well, we talked a bit about statute. What would, what would it be? Mr. Mark, you are our wordsmith. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that, but it's. Uh, I would say it's a law passed by somebody somewhere in some manner. How about a legislative body? There you go. A law passed One by a legislative them. body, right? Well, I don't even have to show up for these shows now. You guys are getting pretty good. Hey, well, I have Google. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> law or regulation from Latin to... Set up or decree, it declares the policy of a governmental body, for example, the state, uh, and it may be directing something be done or it may be prohibiting something to be done. We often don't think about that, but statutes can say you have to do this or must do this, but statutes can also say you can't do this or can't do that. For example, we do have state statutes concerning a driving, you know, how fast you can go. Or how do you drive? We do have that, and, and those can be enforceable. And as well as other criminal laws that we have in our state, you know, theft, uh, things of that nature, destruction of property. But we also have statutes that direct uh, as well, uh, and those are the uh, regulations that are set up. Uh, and that rule is a, a general statement of behavior, while a statute is more formalized. So you have courts don't make statutes, they make rules. But legislative bodies make statutes that courts then can make rulings on to interpret the statutes, what was intended, what was meant, whether it corresponds with the overarching uh, law, which is for Oklahoma, our Constitution, or even 
the federal constitution, the U.S. Constitution, which has supremacy under the supremacy clause, the supreme law of the land. So we have that. Now, we've got a United States Congress that also makes uh, laws. Those are called public laws. Sometimes we refer them as federal statutes, but usually statutes are our states. And then we have your municipalities that make ordinances. So we differentiate uh, between those different uh, items. I know in real estate, the legislature makes the statutes. Correct. And the Oklahoma Real Estate Commission has a booklet of rules and regulations that relate to the statutes. Sometimes they mirror the statute. Mm-hmm. They, they, they put the statute into the rule book itself. But the legislature creates the entity, the agency, and then tells the agency, create rules that put this into practice or more specific. So, yeah. So their statute, our word of the day. <laughs> and real estate is one of the most regulated areas within our country. I mean, it's there is a whole lot of things that regulate what we do, right, Becky? Well, certainly, and lots of layers from different entities as to what real estate <laughs> professionals can do, that's for sure. We have a lot of rules and a lot of regulations mm-hmm. from different entities as we participate in our associations and the multiple listing and, the you know, the sale of property. Yep. And why would that be? Well, we think that they're just kind of like wanting to run a Nazi thing over a th- <laughs> Over some of these rules, we actually take every other year we have a a kind of a day of study of the rules in on our team, and the rules are to set out what you can and cannot do basically and why why would you set that up that way? Why would you set up to have those kind of rules? Well, it protects everybody. It, I mean, like the real estate association and Multilist are not out there to protect the public. They're out there to serve the membership. However, the real estate commission's duty, their whole, the reason they exist is to protect the public. So, Mark, why is it important to have all that? Well, historically, my answer would be historically, there has been, unfortunately, bad players in the field of real estate. There's been lots of things like we talked about. A lot of statutes are reactions to things that have been done. Um, there certainly has been a lot of mishandling of real estate in the years and a lot of things that have. So what's what, well, why is that so important to us? Well, we have to protect. I feel like I'm being professional. That's right. You're <laughs> being called it. up to the front. I don't know the math answer to this question. Well, Property is important yeah, because property ownership is very paramount in this country. You know, life, liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. Well, that is actually is... life, liberty, property. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's actually uh, the way it goes. And for a time, there was even a thought that uh, who should vote was property owners, not just anybody else, but property owners because they have the most to lose. And property has been something that we have fought for and debated over right or wrong in this country. And we see it today in, in Oklahoma 
you know, where we have the unassigned lands, the tribal lands, et cetera. The battle is over you know, property and who has the rights to that because uh, you, you don't see property being made anymore. <laughs> so it's just a matter of transferring it from one well, part to the other. Maybe in Dubai <laughs> where, where they're making that property. You making islands, but for the most part, I mean, land exists. We don't create more of it, except for some rare cases. Uh, but it is been warred over. Been, I mean, all sorts of things. Well, it still is being yeah. warred over. Yeah, right. Exactly, and you had the you know, feudal landlords, you know, who who controlled the land, but then had the tenants who actually worked the land. We call them renters, you know, but. You know, the idea behind it is that who owned the property really had the wealth. And so that was always a big aspect of this country, the Louisiana Purchase, all the other things that, that this country entailed. And Oklahoma has certainly been a part of that. So you mentioned several times real property. Now, tell us exactly what real property is. Ooh. Well, I think that's something that we should wait till the next segment to oh, answer okay. that question <laughs> and to allow people that opportunity to think, what is that? What is real property, right? When we come back with more right here in Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move, News Radio 1000, KTOK. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. We are here with Ron Shalott, attorney at law, and it is time for our smoking hot deal. Hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, Lord. Our smoking hot deal is brought to you by Casa Perico Mexican Grill, located on the south corner of 122nd and Penn, on 63rd, just west of Meridian, and at 505 East Main Street in Yukon on Route 66. And this week's smoking hot deal is your property. You can create and find out if your home would be a smoking hot deal to discover your home's value. And here's how you can do that. You go to BeckyIvans.com. Right on the front page, you can see get an estimate. Know what your home's value is. And you can put it in there and two things will happen. It will give you a estimated Here's what kind of the algorithms of uh, the of the what we use software that we use that would give you an, an estimate, and then it will also notify and either Becky or Judy, the listing partner, or myself will give you a call and just talk to you about hey, is there any updates you've done? Kind of just give you a good idea of what is an accurate estimate. Uh, and maybe you would may think, well, if I could get X amount of dollars for my house, I may consider it. And so you can also go on there and you can get a monthly update of things that have sold around you and kind of just keep track of where your house is in relations to the smoking hot deals. So that's your smoking hot deal brought to you by Casa Perico Mexican Grill. We also have a software home bot. Mm. which is really easy. You can go in and tweak it and kind of interact with it in many different ways. And we can put you on that, and you can opt out at any point you want. But it's kind of a nice thing to be able. I had some property in Florida, 
And I started playing around with this little home bot thing. And all of a sudden, I was going, hmm, I'm selling, man. It's at a price that I am ready to sell. So that helped me decide when to sell. Yep. And Dean Riddell at SWBC Mortgage, um, they also use that to show you the equity, keep track of the equity that you have in your property. And if you want to have a conversation about what's happening within the interest rates and how that uh, is, is applies to your particular equity situation or your particular situation, you can give Dean Riddell at SWBC Mortgage a call. Their number is 405-858-7770. That's 858-7770. Or as always, you can go to BeckyIvans.com, click on Becky's Favorites, and you'll see them right there. Okay, Ron. Well, I have a question for Mr. Carr. Okay. Professor Carr, I guess he is now. <laughs> he used a word, and I know this is not worth a day, but uh, I always want to make sure that we understand it because you're about to get to a different term. What is equity exactly? Because mm. you talked about, you know, they can, uh, Dean Riddell can get, tell you about the equity. What's equity? So equity is, in general terms, the difference between the uh, the amount that the home is valued and the amount that you owe on the property. So it is a theoretical money in the bank that you have between those two. Now, it depends a little bit on who's saying the market value. In the end, it's the amount that you can sell it for versus the amount you owe. In law, we talk about fair market value. Mm Mm-hmm. What is fair market value? It's what a willing buyer would pay a willing seller. And when I used to do some bankruptcy work back in the old days, uh, that was always one of the questions. What do we value stuff at? Not just real property, but personal property. What do we value that at? And uh, personal property, I say, well, you been to a garage sale? Yeah. Yard sale? Yeah. What would you pay for that at a yard sale, garage sale? Isn't that the best indicator of fair market value? Because it's not the price of a, of whatever store that you know puts it, jacks it up with the uh, the profit motives, et cetera. But that's the actual value. So when we look at real estate, you all talk about appraised value. Uh, you talk about market value. What's the real value of something? And isn't it what a person would? pay for it. A willing buyer would pay a willing seller, not a forced seller. And the difference between what you owe on it and uh, what it's sold for is the amount of cash you'll actually see. Isn't that your equity, which you really own? So, yeah, so that's equity. That's equity. That's what you would own. And and so how much of your house do you own? (laughs) That's sometimes the the joke is, well, the bank owns the house. I just have a little bit of it. Well, you're going to have that debt even if the house burns down. So, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have insurance. There you go. Insurance is your friend. Yeah, so yes. before the break, we talked about real property, and you use the word real property a lot. And so what is real property? As opposed to unreal property. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal property. Well, all these words of the day today. Well, we're getting the quiz all the time. Well, I, I mentioned personal property right. and, and real property. We know what property is. It's something that you own. Right. Okay. That can be a tangible thing, such as the, your pen. Uh, 
It can be something intangible, such as the rights to a song that you have written. That's an intangible. You, you, you can't hold it. It's, it's just out there. Uh, but in the realm of tangible property, you have such things as personal property, which is the, the, the items that you can take with you all the time. But then there is real property, which is something that you can't really put in your pocket or fit in your car and, uh, or your uh, transport trailer and drive away with. It is, it is there. It is the land and potentially the subsurfaced products in the land, but not always. And, and don't we usually include improvements upon the land if as it, real property? If it is something that's affixed to the land and not easily removable. Now, I've, again, back in the old bankruptcy days, you know, I had uh, creditors say, well, I can easily remove that. You know, I can get a, get a truck and I can remove that thing off the land. So it's not a, but that's not really the, the status. It's, it's, it's affixed to the land to be a, a permanent fashion. We have that a lot with uh, the uh, trailers, for example, uh, where the axles are removed, the tires are removed, mm-hmm. skirts are on, et cetera. So, oh, so mobile we, homes. N- yeah. Okay. Uh, so we, we had those kind of uh, debates for, for a long time. But as far as your, your real property is concerned, it may, you may have just the surface rights. Mm-hmm. Most you, people only own surface rights. Or you may have the surface rights and the subsurface rights. Well, you know, I don't know what the percentage is. I really don't. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Well, developed land. Most of yeah. the time the developers keep the subsurface rights before they divide land up into lots and stuff. Right. Every, every now and then, your your lot does also have that. Sure. Well, oh, I mean, I've got three of them that have subsurface rights, but basically, real property is the real estate, the land, and the improvements that are affixed to it. And personal property is like your furniture, your art. I call your stuff. Your stuff. Things yes, that go stuff. with you when you move. Yes, exactly. there you go. And, yeah. we, and we've, I know we've talked about before, what about the, the area above the surface? <laughs> How far does that go up? And we, well, that's we had that discussion. That's going to be something we're going to talk about again some other day. Ron, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we have enjoyed two shows with Ron Shalott yep. recently. So that's, that's great because we always get a little bit more educated. It's always great to be with you. And you can share and subscribe to anywhere that you can uh, find podcasts. Just look up Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. Thanks for being with us right here at News Radio 1000 KTOK. May each day in the week be a good day. May the Lord always watch over you. And may all of your hopes turn to wishes. And may all of your wishes come true. May each day 